some of them. You're wasting all your time and money on models. Paint what you have. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Model Club TV, episode 32. And look who's back, Scott Johansson. 31 for me. Oh, look, yeah, I'm ahead of you in the number of episodes we've done. How are you, Scott? I'm great. Did you enjoy your month off? Well, I wish I could say I enjoyed all my month <laughs> off, but no, obviously, everyone knows why I was off. Um, so no, we had a rough couple of weeks. Things are getting back to normal. Um, thanks to all that reached out uh, with our condolences. Yeah, I know it's just a dog, but he was family to us, and uh, I still miss him. I miss him even when we're doing this stupid stuff. He'd try to push his way in the door. He'd be laying over here next to me, not making a sound. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, it's uh, and Jason's gonna have no one to nose his crotch when he comes over because I'm certainly not doing it. Damn it! But um, yeah, you know, it, it's a tough time, and it was just it was a combination of that, and I had just gotten back from a stressful week uh, at my son's wedding, and so it was just. Between all of that, I just wasn't up to it, and I apologize. But we no reason to apologize. Everyone scheduled to keep, and Jason kept it, and that's great. So yeah, and Uh, we can tell by the ratings, you know, who the talent really is, and uh, you know, what are the ratings? I ratings. I don't know. I'm sure they're not good. I'm sure they're not good either. Uh, The fucking uh, snooze fest. You and that wordling. Jesus Christ. Does that guy ever shut up? No, he doesn't. But that's good. I love him. I love him. Yeah. Uh, my pet died as well. Uh, my hedgehog passed away the week, like what, last week? And ugh. so I kind of, we were going through the same thing. Jamie woke up and it, our hedgehog was, we think, seven years old, which is ancient in, in hedgehog years. And Jamie woke up. And when I, cause I go to work before her and when she's, she went in and checked on her and wasn't moving very well. And we knew that it was getting close. So we didn't think it made, she'd make it through the day. So we were looking up, Jamie was looking up like vets to go at the end of the day to put her down. And when I got home, she had already uh, passed away. So it, we had a little backyard funeral. There's a nice little grave marker back there now. And uh, yeah, sucks. Quilly is gone. Uh, we still have the leopard gecko, so we're good. Um, we really yeah, get those affectionate sucks. animals. I do. So. Hey, that, that he that gecko he comes up every time I'm sitting up there. Is tapping on the glass, wanting out for us to pick him up. I, I swear to so God, I'm going to be an insensitive bastard. Nasty. Mm-hmm. Did you think about putting that poor hedgehog in a jar? I absolutely did. <laughs> when we first got her, I was like, "Oh, when that thing dies, that's going to make a cool jar decoration." And I, I could not pull myself to do it. So we did it. I did think about it, though. Um, I'd rather have anonymous animals, I think, in the jars. But anyway, um, Scott, I asked you to watch a terrible movie. Did you watch it? That movie is called yeah, Malignant. What, what, what a great thing to say. Hey, I want you to watch this terrible movie. What do you think I did? Okay. Okay. I, I really think you should still watch it because it's terrible, but terrible in great ways. If anyone has seen Malignant, I'd love to hear your comments down below, please. That movie is so bad it's good, and the premise is so ridiculous. I, 
it needs to be talked about. I should ask my wife if she watched it. You you know what? Have her watch it. It's on HBO Max. Have her watch it. It's oh my god. It's so ridiculously bad. But if anyone has seen it, leave your comments down below. I'd love to read them. Uh, other I than watched that, Old Yeller because I wasn't down enough. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I didn't. You know, you just throw an old throw I throw an old Yeller in Schindler's list and just see if I could really bring myself down. <laughs> oh man, that would be great. That would yeah. have been great. We'll sit there and play Russian roulette for the rest of the night. <laughs> so anyway, on to news and reviews. Uh, we have more sad news. Uh, Russell Canterbury passed away. Uh, I, I'm not even kidding when, when you weren't here, when I was recording the last episode with Mark, I think I started editing. It was either that night or the day after that. I like is instantly saw that news and I was like, Oh man. And we didn't even like get it into that episode. So it happened right when we were recording the last one. And had you ever met Russ Russell? You know, when I see him, it looks like I should have. So he, I know I've Three seen Kings him. Resin, he's at Wonderfest all the time. He was responsible for the Wonderfest videos and DVDs. That, that that's what I thought. Them. He was yeah. responsible for the the videos. So great guy, really nice guy. Um, one of those guys I always saw at Wonderfest and you just give the head nod like, "Hey man, what's up?" And it it I know he had a ton of friends in the hobby, and it, it's you know another good person taken way too soon, and it it sucks. So to Russell's family, our hearts go out to you. I know it's been a couple of weeks now, but this is, you know, it happened right when we were like just finished the other one. So we're catching up on bad news. Um, yeah, totally sucks. I know Terry's good friends with him. When Terry comes on, I think he has some Russell stories. So we have to have a Terry episode here soon. Um, but all Terry all the time. All Terry, all Terry. Web TV. Web TV. No, we're not doing that. Actually, we should and just call it TV Web. <laughs> there you go. And walk away from the cameras. So yeah. anyway, moving on. New from Paul Gill, Scott. What do we got? New from Paul Gill. Hey, wait, that's not Paul Gill. How does this keep uh, happening? Man. Okay. Uh, number eight in the Hammer Bus series. Okay. Quarter scale uh, from the movie Brides of Dracula. The actor <laughs> I love is, his hair. I always is, love this character's hair. Is David Pell. Peel. David Peel. Sorry. Yep. Um, And sculpted by Jeff Yeager, of course. And uh, really nice piece. Yeah. Um, base is pretty cool. And uh, it is $80 plus shipping and handling. Get a hold of Paul on the Jaeger Army via his own group, figure kits group. If you've watched enough and can't get a hold of Paul by now, shame on you. You know what? So, I gotta make a. You know what? I'm gonna make a Paul Gill button for the next time. Yeah, yeah might as well. I know. So, and um, again, for anyone that wants to think we're the 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 Paul Gill sponsored, uh, Paul sends us stuff. Want your stuff on? Send us stuff. Yes. So uh, there we go. Uh, the next thing I found, which which are really nice, by the way, I saw these yesterday. And uh, yeah, these are Aurora scale heads, replacement heads. Like, of course, we don't have enough of them, but of course, Jeff Yeager comes out, and it's a set of four. You have to buy all four. They're ninety nine dollars plus shipping, which he's figuring is going to be about eight dollars domestic shipping. 
Um, you have the mummy, the wolfman, Dracula, and the monster. Scott. Scott. Hmm. Is that $25 a head? That is $25 a head. Math! Wow. Actually, it's twenty four twenty five. I was gonna say, yeah, technically. Okay. Dang it. All right. Or no, wait. Twenty four seventy five ahead. Sorry. Twenty four seventy five ahead. No, you were right. Twenty four twenty five. <laughs> See, we can't even do it right. No, no, I'm not. Ninety nine divided by four. Uh, oh yeah. Two, seventy five. Like I said, twenty four seventy five. Right. Jag. So I was wrong. Okay. Anyway, um, <laughs> they're not sold separately. You can contact Jeff via the Jaeger Army on Facebook or via Messenger for instructions on getting on the list. I think you can also email Jeff. He'd probably put you on. I think you have his email somewhere. Mm-hmm. But if not, the Jaeger Army and Jeff Jaeger on Facebook. Um, yeah, I think that's the best way to get a hold of him. I'm not a big replacement head guy usually. Uh, I really love the monster and I like, I like them all. So, um, and this is why I bought extras of all these kids so that I could put replacement heads on them. Oh yeah. How, okay. How many monster kids do you have? I don't think that's relevant for this episode. How many Dracula's Dracula kids? No, of the Aurora one that this would go on. And the repo. Yeah. Without checking my inventory? Yeah, just off the top of your head. Of each one of those four kits, how many do you think you have total? Six to eight. (laughs) Of each? Yes. (laughs) Why? (laughs) For this, because I I knew some bastard would do this. You're never going to build them. But all right. So anyway. Yeah. And while I was looking for info for this episode, I came across this is a Shadow Creations latest, uh, also sculpted by Jeff Yeager. Big surprise. Uh, Wolf. <laughs> and uh, this is Jack really Nicholson. nice sculpt, yep. man. I mean, if you look at it, this is really a beautiful sculpt. Yep. And I believe this one is quarter scale, $90 plus shipping and handling. And you can contact Troy Nayart. At Shadow Creations with a K at gmail.com uh, to order one of these. And Jeff's, Jeff's a busy boy. He's a busy boy. You gotta get him on here again. He's, he's, uh, yeah, just to slow him down, just to give him a break. We'll get him on here again, maybe. <laughs> and ruin his day. Ruin his day. Yeah. So, uh, speaking of people that need to come on this show, yeah, our next kit from our friend. Rob Rotundi over at Needful Things. Now, anybody that's heard me talk about Dream Kits knows this is on my list. Errol Flynn as Robin Hood. And there you go. A dream comes true. And and a dream comes true. Um, sculpted by our friend Lace Lee, who we haven't... We also said we should have him on, too. And yeah. we both briefly met... Well, I briefly met him. You met him. Spent a little more time than I did. But seemed like a really great guy. And he's the one that sculpted the Superman for Charlie. And um, I love this. I, I, I love it. I, I had one suggestion. And 
<laughs> Always with the suggestion. And Rob, of course. Uh, I forgot what he told me. It was pretty funny. I told him, uh, do a bow that you could put over his... I mean, how does Robin Hood not have his bow? Okay. So he should put his longbow over him, you know, just draped yeah. over him or, you know. But um, I like this. I, I, I really do. I like it. I think and, it goes to, in the interview we're going to have later, the statue pose, like the statue instead of the right. action pose. I, right. I think that's a, a really nice And again, pose. this nice is decision. a digital sculpt. Of course, I ask Rob, so when you're done, are you going to sell the file? And he about chewed my head off. But uh, <laughs> the nice thing about the digital sculpt, though, is like we talk about in the interview coming up, I think he's going to make this in one six scale, but you know, someone wants a quarter scale one, yeah, maybe he can print one for you then. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you have that option. And I know he's going to do like he was talking, he's going to cast the base in resin, you know, because, and, and, you know, you'll see we talked to Ed about that too. But definitely that quill with the arrows in it, um, looking at that, I'm like, yeah, that should be 3D printed. So this is probably going to be a combination. Um, no price yet, but um, I know I talked to Rob and he said hopefully within a month his shop is going to be up and running. So we'll see. You know, I mean, I've been like really excited about a lot of the 3D stuff I've been printing more than anything. But for a kit that's coming, this probably does it for me. I'm like, this going, yeah, this is the one. So that's a nice kit. Speaking of printing, uh, uh, our friend, well, winner, uh, I just suggested to him, hey, man, how about the groovy ghoulies? And literally within a day, this mummy was done. <laughs> okay. And I printed them, and there's a picture of the one I printed next to it. Um, and I'm just going to say, I printed this at 150%, I think, because I wanted it bigger. And I love it. I, I love It's got me like I want to go upstairs and putty and sand on this thing and paint it. I mean, I, I don't know why. I just love this stupid piece <laughs> so much. Well, well, did you good. I, I mean, 24-hour yeah. turnaround on a Scott Johansson idea. I mean, really? Well, maybe, maybe a little long. Maybe it was 48 hours, but still, okay. still. it was, you know. Um, He did drag. As well, we don't listen there. to him anymore. He's going to bring you down. He had to do a little edit because he initially had it D-R-A-C-K, and I had to... uh send him an email saying, uh, yeah, there's no K in it. So, uh, but he <laughs> that's switched. That's an English thing. That, that's an English uh, Yeah. And he yeah. apologized to me and I'm like, well, I just look at it. I'm like your editor. I told him. So, uh, <laughs> so I did buy the, uh, the drac. However, um, I can't print him at 150 because the body cape part won't fit. So he's going to get like 125, I think. But, no, hold on. You might want to wait. But I might wait. Yeah, till we we'll uh, talk about that in the workbench as well. We get what else we got coming there. So um he's gonna do the rest, I believe. And Very uh, cool. and that'll be great because uh, I'll buy them, but I can't print them. And I and I caught flack online because I have no idea what any of those are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and uh, for those that don't know. Uh, the Groovy Ghoulies were a spinoff of Sabrina, who was a spinoff of the Archies. So, um, what's Sabrina? 
Sabrina was a witch, the teenage witch. Wait, for real? Well, no. these were all cartoons. Wait these a minute. Was the live action TV show based on a cartoon that I had no idea? Then I'm not sure. But I'm not sure. Could have been. Yeah. Huh. And Archie's and Josie and the Pussycats, all that. They were all related. So, um. I had no idea. But I really like these. When I was a kid, I had these little vinyl figures. They were made by Chem Toys. And I think they were like a dollar a piece at Woolworths in Dixie Square. And for those of you that are not local, Dixie Square is the mall the Blues Brothers drove through. It's right over here. And uh, they're worth like a shit ton of money. And, and they're not even that great, really, when you look at them by today's. But these little vinyl figures will go for almost 100 bucks a piece. Some oh, of wow. Them. So um, I'm really happy to have this mummy just, again, I just, I'm looking at it now. I've got it sitting here, you know, stuck together. And he did such a great job. You stick it together and it stays there. So it's, the fit is great. The print is easy. Fantastic. Um, Two more from, uh, well, uh, he finished the Hillbilly Bears. I can't remember if, no, I, I wasn't. On last, so you wouldn't have saw nope. that I printed the other three. Um, so now there's a whole collection of hillbilly bears. And I I'm remember watching that. I've seen. I'm that wondering show. how the hillbilly bears played out in Portuguese. Okay, <laughs> like how how do you do a hillbilly do do Portuguese accent? accent? <laughs> Portuguese, yeah. Another uh, Hanna Barbera is the Winsome Witch, which actually I had to look up. Believe it or not, I didn't know who the Winsome Witch was. So. Um, but it is a Hanna-Barbera from that same time period. And another great um, sculpt from well. So um, this guy's awesome. If you want something by him that I bought or haven't bought and want printed, um, I can do it for you. But you have to buy the print from him or you could pay me and I will get him the money. But um you know, either way, I want to make sure if I'm printing these things for people, I want to make sure sure he gets his uh, fair cut. And we talk about that a little bit, I think, um, as well. Maybe. Maybe we don't. Maybe that's the part we edited out. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I you know, I, I, I don't mind printing for people. Um, I printed a Frankenstein Jr. for someone. I'm still waiting on, but... Um, you know, so it's I can print these for people when my printer is back up and running, but you know, so uh the next thing I is I know Mark Worthling is uh in the process of casting these young Frankenstein busts. And I think there's gonna be a option with a thumb that you can get it in like a clear amber. Cause he called me up and said, Which one you want? And he said, and I know he's charging like ten dollars more for the amber one. I said how about $15 more and you just give me both of them and I'll decide when I get it. And that way I can review them both. And, uh, you know, of course, Mark said, you know, Oh yeah, good idea. Yeah. I'll take some more of your money, but promote my product. And I no problem. Mark. That's what I did. So, uh, so next we have from Todd Powell and escape hatch hobbies. The next in the series, uh, morning monsters is count chocula looking terrified that his cereal spilled. Uh, another really cool piece. And I have a feeling he'll probably, uh, be doing these in different sizes like the other one. Uh, but I'm not sure because I, I literally saw these before we started recording today. So I just wanted to get them in there and make sure everybody knew they were coming. So yeah, if you're interested, 
Escape Hatch Hobbies, Todd Powell. And then some things you saw, Scott. Some things I saw. So first up, found this uh, on the Jaeger Army, uh, Jeff Rom. And this is uh, one of John Tucky's uh, Revenge of the Creature kits, sculpted by Jeff Jaeger, obviously, if it was in the Jaeger Army. I really like the way this looks. Yeah. Um, like what he did with the base and uh, the Can creature's I, not. I just want to stop for a second and, and critique his paint scheme on the creature. Mm-hmm. I think that's the closest real paint scheme I've ever seen. Because the color pictures I've seen, they have that kind of gold in there, right? Yes. Yes. And I and I think people ignore that a lot of times. And it's really cool to see someone really go for that original what the what the suit looked like with the gold kind of almost like a bronze like into the scale areas and like this is actually just like kind of like a plain green like his belly area. <coughs> sorry. But anyway, Jeff. <clears throat> I love it. Anyway, sorry Scott. That's all right. <clears throat> um the next is one of two Imhotep's from uh Typhon Studios that I found painted on the Jaeger Army. And this first one is Rick Lindy. And I wish I got I had better pictures, um, but this is what he had on the Jaeger Army. But I really like the colors, like on the, uh, what is that? What do you call that? that I don't know. Uh, you know, but I, I really <laughs> well, like looks like colors. a mosaic on his neck piece. Yeah, his neck is. piece. Whatever those are called um, in Egypt. So I thought that was nice. This kit, by the way, and I know I reviewed it here. It this thing is a beautiful sculpt, so it's yeah, it is fantastic. I've seen and a then, lot of people do good stuff with it too. So this is the second one I found, same kit, a little different color scheme. Yeah, I like the skin on there. Uh, again, I just it kind of gives it a creepy feel. Yeah, I, I love this kit. So. um you know, and it's one of those, I have a feeling, you know, and I, I've often used this term on things. And of course, guys like Ed Bradley are going to be mad at me, but it almost paints itself. Okay. There are yeah. certain kits I, I used to say paints itself. You just start painting it and it'll paint itself. That is so true. When, especially like on a quarter scale bust that is so well done, mm-hmm. it does. It feels like it just paints itself at times. Now, really I know, I know Mike. Uh, is a little behind in getting these out, but they're starting to ship again. And uh, it's a great piece. So, and uh, the piece he's got right behind it. Um, I don't know if it's the one he's got right behind it, but the uh, piece we showed a couple episodes ago, uh, Millicent, that helped create the creature from the Black Lagoon. That's a real nice piece, yeah, too. It is a nice piece. So that's coming. God, I hope I'm on the list for that. I'll have to make sure. Uh-oh. Uh, something that I found was this Grim Reaper by Lynn Powell. Uh, just kind of floating. I think it was on Resin Maniacs or somewhere. But it really makes me want this Grim Reaper kit. I've walked past it a bunch of times. I've picked it up and put it down. And I've been wanting to pick it up. But now I definitely am going to pick it up. Because this, I think, does it really, does it justice. Like It's a really nice piece. And it's a nice, simple plastic kit. And it's just a Grim Reaper. But... I really like what he did with this. And Another really Jeff Yeager that. sculpt. Another Jeff Yeager sculpt. Yep. But there you'd have like what? Three Jeff Yeager kits then? We've determined I have more than that. But one of these days I'll figure out how many. And then uh, our best, most favoritest person in the world, Laura Stan, 
sent me some pictures of people that have done the Tauntaun kit that Stan Arts has put out. And I wanted to share those. I, I had Jen's last uh, episode and forgot to stick it in, but I'm kind of glad I have both of these here now. So this first one's from Jen's Porner, and he always does great stuff. But this is just another example of how great this Tauntaun kit is because it's fabulous. Simply fabulous. And also from Gonzalo Ventura, same thing. More Tauntaun goodness from both these guys. And if you really want, they're still working on the Luke to go with it, that you can replace uh, Han with Luke. Uh, check out Stan Arts if you want your own. Uh, there is a secret project they said is coming, but she wouldn't even tell me what it was. Maybe you know, because I think she likes you better than me, Scott. Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. Well, if it's the one I think. I don't know. She didn't tell me. She said there's a secret project coming. I'll tell you off camera. All right. Tell me off camera. Maybe. Because she didn't tell me. And but, I do know this. They're planning on going to Wonderfest next year. Oh, that's awesome. Um, be able to see some of this stuff right up. And I got to tell you, David's work on the Frankenstein heads is amazing. That, he's such a good painter. <laughs> and um, every time like I see another one, I'm like, well, yeah, there's another one. He knocked it out of the park. <laughs> and he really doesn't charge that much to paint him, I don't think. I think, oh, you know, he's, and he's again, they're great. You know, he, uh, they're really good pieces. So, um, yeah, check out Stan Arts. They, they're great yep. people, really, really good people. Uh, please, if you want that do back, which I still, I gotta get. Um, and then Chuck Hamolka sent this t shirt in, Scott, uh, just for you. Because if you look on the right side of the shirt, yeah, they used the correct Kong. That's what I'm talking about. So he thought you would. Oh, come on! Why don't they? <laughs> Dude, if it was a '70s, <laughs> but yeah, it's in there. Most of the it's mostly class. Like a lot of like the classic monsters are in there. It's a lot I of really Chucky cool in there. I see uh, Hannibal Lecter yeah. in there. You see the fly. I see the fly. Pinhead. Nosferatu. Pinheads in there, or the Hell Priest. Oh. Which I got in a giant argument with online with somebody. Of course. Imagine me getting in an argument online. I can't imagine. So they recast uh, for the new Hellraiser movie that's going to be on Hulu. Pinhead or the Hell Priest, which the Hellraiser fanatics like to call Pinhead, is going to be a woman in the next uh, movie coming out. And that's fine. But their argument for it is that in the book, they're like, the hell priest is a female, is a woman, which is not true. In the book, it says it's androgynous, which does not mean it's female, because it could be David Bowie. David Bowie's pretty androgynous. It could be uh, Tilda Swinton. That's a woman. But you could still get a nice creepy vibe off of both of those and not have it be a woman. I am one of those people that is not... I don't like the gender swap for gender swap sake. And this screams that to me instead of following source material. And if you think I'm wrong, comment below. I'd love to hear it because you're wrong. I gave <laughs> up on Dr. Who when they changed Dr. Who. Maybe. I mean, and, we're big. If you're going to change James Bond, just they're going uh, to, they're going to, you know, they are everything, mm -hmm. every single thing. I, and I don't, and there's a way if you read the Hellraiser comics, there's a way 
that that turns into a woman. There's a there's a way. And if they would have done that, that would have been one thing. But they're not doing that, I don't think. So but to do things just for the sake of doing things. We don't like that. Yeah, that's all. Anyway, I'll probably edit most of this out. <laughs> Let's while do our giveaways. What, Scott? While we still have viewers. Yeah, yeah. while we still. Well, I don't know. I, the pinhead thing really bothers me. And then I even argue with one guy. He goes, well, hell priest is female. And I'm like, well, by calling it hell priest, you're calling it male. Because if not, it would be hell priestess. So shut up. And well, see, and when, they, when they talk about Doctor Who and they said her new adventures, well, then you're saying it's female. Or when you used to say his new adventures, you're saying he's male. So it switches. I just yeah, we're, I'm sure we're on the old fashioned end of this scale, I think. But who knows? Whatever. It's so dumb. I have no days. problem with a female Time Lord. No, as long as I it's someone different. Why it's got to be the doctor. Exactly. So. Same thing. Anyway, let's do our giveaway, Scott. We got giveaways? Speaking of females, we have three female kits to give away. Three. Three. Three female kits. So the first one is from... The first two, actually, are from Hang Hilger. Now, there was a slight (laughs) mix-up. And I want to thank Golia. When she got the Thor box in the mail... There were two more kits in the box that I did not know were in there because in the emails that Hang sent us, he said he was going to be sending me more kits, but I didn't realize he meant they were already in the box. So when I, I didn't want to unpack the giant Thor kit and pack it back up and send it, so I kind of took a couple parts out and then sent it off. I did not know there were two more kits in the box. So Golia sent back the two female kits that were in the box, and I am forever grateful that she even said anything because she could have easily said, what kits? What are you talking about? Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Yeah, exactly. So I owe her big time and I will, I promise I'm going to get her back. So what hang has for us are two awesome, actually really, really nice kits. Uh, the first one. And I think the way we're going to give this away, it's going to be the same thing. If you want all three in the comments down below, you have to tell us your favorite female model kit garage kit ever and tell us why and then just put you're in for all three or name the one you want to be in for and we'll put it on the uh, card so this first one i'm going to turn on the overhead cam and god forbid i should see it i know you uh, well you'll see it in a second sure well This is why last episode was such a snooze fest. Oh, I hate you, dude. You know what you should have done? You should have just ran Lord of the Rings or one of those other Peter Jackson fucking movies, and people would have went to bed and slept a lot quicker. <laughs> I I did, you know, you missed the Lord of the Rings discussion last episode. No, I didn't. Because I no, had my... Uh... Like five times to get through oh, the whole So that's news and reviews. I'll talk about that in a second. I did get an update. On my broken sideshow piece or Iron Studios piece. Anyway, the piece is Poison Ivy from Batman. And here's Scott. Papal. Oh, okay. So, so it's, it's like a, an anime one. Yeah, it's anime animated Poison Ivy. It's a couple of different pieces and they it kind of goes together like that. So we have Poison Ivy, which is I think actually it's really nice. It has a really nice pinup style to it. 
Um, and it goes together really well. It just got to sand off the plugs and stuff, but I like the color. Yeah. It's a nice, cool mint green resin. It looks like candy, but check it out. So that's our first kit from hang. This is a really, if you want your own, I'm going to read what do you got. Remember, you're going to look up hang Hilgar on, on Facebook. Uh, Pamela Isley animated full size. This figure kit consists of six pieces of mostly green resin. Assembly requires some experience in a skill level three kit builder. Uh, it was originally intended to be limited to 49 casting, castings, as all my kits are. Like I said, we have Poison Ivy to give away. Really nice kit. Uh, pretty simple. One, two, three, four, five pieces with a base with a number on the bottom. That's our first kit to give away. Mostly okay. green resin. Mostly all green resin. But Hang Hilger sent this one as well. And the name of this is Mommy. And it's like a zombie lady. <laughs> Let me read. Mommy is inspired by the zombie wave. This one is from the com- or comic. This one is from the comic crossed. All infected are marked with a cross on the face. Being kind of pimples, blood crusts, etc. It's cold outside. So the lady took what was left of the meal and made a do-it-yourself coat out of the skin of her victim, another snack to go in her hand. It's an absolute fan art project. The kit is limited to 29 castings, which means when all 29 are gone, they're gone. The molds are destroyed, and there won't be any release, re-release after. So, again, mom, that's what it looks like built. Great, really cool little Monster Woman kit. So we have something for everybody, really. Comics, horror, and the next one you'll see, straight up movie. This is phenomenal castings um get a cool little severed head that goes with it scott you can kind of see her arm cool little severed head that goes with it that she's holding there's a piece that goes on her chest that looks like she's hanging like the be sure to drop it and break it mumbles oh that'd be terrible uh pieces that goes on her chest yep goes this way um made a cool little design (laughs) out of it uh, I love this thing. It's it's so off the wall and awesome. Uh, that, and it's it's really nice kind of brown gray resin, but a great no- another piece from Hang. Uh, check out Hang Hilger on Facebook if you want to get yours. Uh, after we give these away, if he has any left, but this is a great, great piece. Looks like it's one six. So, yep, mommy is the name of it. Great kit, great great kit. Okay. From Mark Worthling. You're the one that I want. Mark has given us a Sandy to give away from Greece. And I don't think some of the picture, it's four pieces. And I don't think the pictures of this online do it justice. Because when I finally got to see this in person here, this totally reminds me of one of those classic like garage kit girl kits. Um, I'm trying to think of the name. The one oh, that David Fisher was painting in one of it, like those ones that David Fisher would paint in the videos. They were like those really nice, solid, just girl kits. You know, the Linnea Quigley and yeah, uh, like that. And the, 
the 38 special was that the one with the girl with yeah. the gun yeah and like that style of of kid this thing kicks butt and i love it so here's your chance to own a sandy from pestilence labs we're giving away all three of these kits if you want uh to specify which one you want put it in the comments down below but we want you to say favorite girl kit of all time and here's the base for that solid great kit thank you mark worthling and thank you hang hilger we'll have all your contact info up below but that's our giveaway it's girl kit extravaganza please girls let us girls, know. girls girls it's girls, like an girls, girls and th some great kits like there's not like out of all those they're beautiful each one of those is fantastic so thank you all three for sending us those kits i we truly do appreciate it and i know if i could get worthling to send me something for free i mean I, you know just saying He's sending somebody for free. Maybe you should enter. The, wait, can you enter? Maybe the, I should enter. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, I should enter because I wasn't on last episode. I should have been off this episode. Maybe I could have entered. <laughs> All right. Sandy, by the way, is sculpted by Jeff Yeager. Okay. Of course. Everything is these days. You ready for the workbench, Scott? The workbench. All right. What do you got for us, Scott? The workbench, you took a turn. Things took a turn for you. My workbench is down. It's down. Well, part of it's down. But, but, man, if I can do this without this falling apart. Okay. Right, here we go. I'm hoping. Here we go. There we go. Good bad boy. You're like a proud papa over there. I so want to start working on this. <laughs> Okay, I love this thing. I don't know why. I've printed other great, cool stuff. But I really, I just, this brings me joy just to look at it sitting there like that. That's so, a really nice um, piece. I've, uh, yeah, I want to get it upstairs and I want to start uh, putting it together and puttying it up. And uh, who knows? gonna paint something uh, that'll be a miracle it'll be nice yeah and i just want to show the base if i can got the groovy ghoulies logo on it are those which is kind of a you know you know and then he put the name on it so you kind of don't see that are those lines supposed to be in the base yes actually okay. they are okay <laughs> yeah no and and why he's asking is because this was the piece i will say this this is the piece that my printer screwed up on and much like you, and so I was really worried about this coming out. And I don't know if you're gonna be able to see this, but I could not get those to snap off. And I think it's because they're over overexposed. Yep. Okay. Okay. And people wonder about these holes and stuff like that. And the reason these holes are here. So the reason these holes are here is because we have again we've showed this cool little tool. And what happens is if you make these big enough. I should probably turn the light off so you can see it. But um, if you make these big enough, oh, there, now you probably see it. Yeah, you can kind of see the light coming through there. Yeah, as you blind everyone. But this is how you cure the 
inside of these things. Well, first, let's tell everybody why you have to put holes in there. Basically, when you put a piece down, it, it makes a giant suction cup. And if there's no holes in it, it won't, it'll pull right off your plate or it'll distort right. the print. So yeah, if you hollow something, you have to put holes in there to vent air. And this was actually oriented like this. Yeah. Okay, but you still need the holes. The holes that were important really are these three. Okay, but the rest of these were for curing. I put them in there mostly for curing. Yeah. Um, these were the three more important ones so that there's always, you know, for the suction. And um, plus, it just helps the resin drain a little more as you're printing it, and, you know. But mm, printing, yeah, I printed a long time, and now it's time to start <laughs> doing something. Well, what happened to yours is the exact same thing that happened to mine which is your motherboard burned out. It's one specific little piece, like it's called a MOSFET, that keeps the light going, the voltage to the, the, the screen light, basically, on and off. And it gets stuck in the open position. And that's what happened. I don't know if we got a bad batch of motherboards. Anyway, this is what it I looks like. <laughs> this is the motherboard. Um, this was mine with the, with the resin that got cured on it, but I can't. I had to replace anyway. So good news, there was no resin in mine. Well, I know good. I don't want to say there's no resin in mine. I haven't opened it up yet. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you just cheeked yourself. Yeah. Uh, working on anything else? You cast anything? How's the Gilman coming? Your big Galuna. Well, I'm hoping now that I will be upstairs in the model room, um, I'll start to wrap up a lot of these projects and get them going. Uh. It's still my hopes to have the Galuna for Wonderfest, um, but I got I, it's it's getting warm. <laughs> what I mean by that is, uh, you know, it's already springtime. You got to get moving. So, um, yeah, you know, I got to get I got to get that ball rolling. But, it's already um, fall. You mean? No, what I mean is I got to look at it like it's almost springtime because <laughs> you need to get it going. So, right. so uh, here's my oh. workbench a mess but you'll notice i started painting again today i have added paint to the ghost of castle Marais. i'm doing overhead cam real quick started castel, with, isn't it castel? castel yeah sorry castel Marais. uh started blocking in my uh highlights and stuff so back to that it's been a while uh i've it's been almost a year, I think, since I worked on it. And it also, I think it's been a year since we would said we would have our three model kits done in a year. What is that painting over there? Is that a painting of you? Uh, where? So I'm looking at the Castelmare box, and to the right of that, there's, there's a painting uh, of a bald person. Oh, yeah. On the, the laying down? Yeah. Yeah, that's a self-portrait. I always do stupid self-portraits as examples for school. And that's one of them. So I have like four of them sitting there. That's right. pre-beard. I take it. It is pre-beard. Yep. Wait, here, okay. I'll hold it up. I got it right here. Pre-beard. You should give that away. No way am I giving that away. <laughs> Why? You look like Golem or Gollum or whatever that my precious, my precious, my precious. Who gives a fuck about your ring? You stupid fat hobbits! Give it to me! 
Marul. God. Anyway, it ain't bad enough you mumble. I hate you. Where's uh, the Tempe from? What? What'd you say? There's a little like uh oh in the next picture. Is that a Ren and Stempy guy up there by your pencil sharpener? Yeah, that's the one I said. Remember that that it's messed up on the inside. I couldn't hollow it out. Okay. I found it on CD Trader, but the file is jacked up. Um, but yeah, I've been working on a lot of stuff. I do want to talk about with great power comes great responsibility. And 3D printers allow you to print weapons at the thinness they are supposed to be printed at. So when you go to do a sword or you go to do a knife and, you know, and like a resin kit, it's pretty thick for the scale that it's supposed to be. Um, and I just, I, five minutes before we started recording, or no, it's probably like an hour, I broke a sword off of a piece that I know I had been trying not to break for four days until I got part of it glued together. It had just fallen off the stand. But this, this, and I'm going to turn on so you can see it. This is a blade model that I printed and it has his sword. So what I'm talking about is how thin you can print like the blade. That's like paper thin, right? How a sword should be for something that scale. But things when you cure them get pretty brittle. So I didn't cure this as long as I should have. So it, it bends instead of breaks, but it would break. But the other piece I had just broken it, and I was so mad about it. But So it's funny you should mention this because well, I had it, to. Conversation with someone. Okay. But this is Blade's jacket. Oops. This is Blade's jacket, right? And if you were mm -hmm. going to do this as a resin kit, I don't think you can get so you can see. It's paper thin. See. Like it's paper thin. And to do that in resin as a traditional cast would be really, really difficult. But again, which means it breaks really. Go ahead. Well, I had this conversation as I knocked the microphone over. Hold, please. The sword conversation with Robert Sundy, actually, the other yesterday, I think. Mm -hmm. I was telling him, he's done a couple Conan kits, and one he had to do is a sword and white metal. And the other one, I, and I think the one with the sword, I have the resin one, and the resin one is just all, over time, curled up. Mm-hmm. And so I told him, I said, I don't think this resin will do that over time. And so this is a prime example of how you could have, yeah. you know, printed like the swords. Um, and that's what I'm finding. Like when something's a knife, like a scale or something, like it looks to mm -hmm. scale because normally you have to make them thicker than you normally would. And it looks, it looks more realistic when it comes down to it. You know what? I had something else too. What'd you have? But it'd be too big of a pain in the ass. So I'll show it next time. But it's this mystique from the X-Men that I printed. you have it with you? It's it's like buried under here. Oh. So, um, if I pull it out, I'm going to pull out a lot of shit. But um, yeah, it was a file I bought. And I just printed it as time went by. And like you said, there's two pieces that go down our front and backside that are just super thin that are so awesome. Um, and knock on wood yeah every single piece i printed for this thing came out first time <laughs> okay um this mummy came out first time 
The only piece I've had trouble with is that stupid rat thing piece that you and I are both trying to print. I print. I printed it. I don't want to even show it today because I'm so mad at it. <laughs> I put it in a box and put it on the shelf. I'll come mm-hmm. back to it in a year. So I, I yeah, Ratfink man. Ugh. Uh, I do want to say I started printing some of these monsters, these classic monster like caricature busts. But you can find them on my mini factory. Uh, his name is Amadou Al- Aldevert. Uh, if you just type in classic monster busts, I think they come up. But they are awesome. How big are they? Show us one. Uh, hold on. You have one there, don't you? So I printed three. The Dracula just got done, but that's the Wolfman. It's like a it's like a you know tennis ball size. Okay, so you get, and this is just an example. And here's the creature. Like, wait, there we go. I'll turn on the overhead cam. Do those stand on their own or no? Yeah, they will. The creature doesn't. It's harder to balance the creature, but the this is. I love this werewolf too. This Wolfman. Sorry, this Wolfman because it kind of reminds me like. If John Goodman was the werewolf when he was bigger, <laughs> like it has like a like a fat like a gas station guy as the werewolf. Like I love it. It's like tons of character in there, and this is a great painter's piece. You know how you said one of those pieces that paint themselves. These yeah. like these are just like perfect for that. So and these are twenty five dollars. I think it was on sale yesterday for twenty five. Normally maybe it's thirty five, but even then. So you get six busts. Six busts. You can scale them up or down. This is the standard scale that they come at. So you could make these bigger if you wanted. You could make them smaller if you wanted. I. You can't go wrong with this. Actually, I'm going to... I'm sending this secretly to somebody. So I'm going to have it in the mail tomorrow. Uh... They're still $25. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, yeah um, no, I mean, it's, look, uh, well, I don't know if you can see it on there, but it's standing. So, and just so you know, of this $25, $90 goes to the, or 90% goes to the designer. Yeah, from my mini factory. That basically yep. means he gets $22.50 of it. All right. Look at that, more math. But so you're getting six of these. Now, what, what did it cost to print one? $3, $4? Uh... The Wolfman might have been four something. Okay, so let's just say five. Not even. All right. Yeah. the The other one let's was say, two. The creature, I think, let's was say two. Five and eight. so for under ten dollars, you've got these pieces. Yeah. I, I mean, it's how do yeah. you go wrong there? And they're beautiful. This guy does amazing work. Like and trash kid guys like, are just cringing right now. Going, Ooh. I know. But I'm telling. This is. The future is right there. I might buy them, but I don't have a My Mini Factory uh, account, so I'll have to join. But <laughs> another one for you to spend money on. Yeah, just uh, just what I need. But no, he's done. He, it's great work. Oh, I had one other thing I want to show. I wanted to up one up Mark Worthling, not one up because his was from Japan, but better. I was in Disc Replay buying records, and they had these blind bag Godzilla figures. So, yeah, by the way, I want those skeletons that he had. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Aren't those cool? Yeah, they're fucking $50 a piece. So, let me open these up live 
What did I get? Do a quick live unboxing here. I got Godzilla. Oh, wow. Got Godzilla right off the bat. And I got... Uh, I'll show you what I got in a second, Scott. I got... What is it? Mothra. Thank you. Thank you. I turn into a show me yours. I'll show you mine thing, is it? Godzilla and Mothra. Those are cool, though. Yeah. Nice. Cool. All right. Anyway, our interview with Ed Bradley is next. Be good. Uh, Ed's a great guy. Ed is uh, an amazing painter trying to branch out and do other things. He's painted for many companies, painted for collectors, uh, toy companies, statue companies, uh, has been around a while and got some great tips for us. Um, we see some of his work. I'm going to put a bunch of it at the end in the gallery today and enjoy our interview with Ed Bradley. back with ed bradley how you doing ed doing good how are you doing great like we said we got storms our head in our way so we'll see how it goes um how'd you get started in garage kits we're we're, we're like your little mini history in the yeah. hobby um there was a, a an exceptional comic book shop in my area that i found and it was back when um when when diamond previews like the previews catalog they actually carried uh -huh. uh, they carried garage kits back then, but they weren't they weren't all legit. They were they were when Phantom uh, Phantom Hobbies and Elfin were recast everybody's stuff. Uh, you could order those through Diamond Select and get them at your local comic shop. There was a modeler's resource. There was kit builders. There was an amazing figure modeler, but it was all back in the uh, uh, adult book area. There was a closed off section for eighteen and up. So. Up until then, I could I, would, I never had access to that stuff. I didn't know what model kits were. Once I turned eighteen, hey, I'm gonna go back where the titty mags are. <laughs> While I'm back there, I find garage kits, and that was it. They didn't sell very well in my area. He had like five of everything. Nobody gave a shit, and he was about to just take it all away. And, and then here I come, showing all this interest, and he said, "Well, I mean, what do you want?" And he practically gave it to me. So that's where I got all the back issues, all the way back to issue number 12 of Amazing Figure Modeling. Oh, wow. Um, Roughly a, what year was this, you think? Uh, this was 1998. Okay. And uh, I was into anime. I was into comics. Uh, I was a, an 80s kid, so, you know, all the, the goofy horror stuff, of course. Um, so these, this was all right up my alley. Like, all of this stuff, I'm like, Yes, like this is, I'm supposed to be growing up right now, but I don't know. <laughs> no, I really don't want to because there's all this cool stuff for me to get into. So that's, that's where it was. And, and it was, um, 
it took from 98 until probably 2010 before I, I built and painted anything that didn't look like dog shit. I mean, it was, <laughs> it, seemed, it seemed like it was just never going to happen. I was like, man, I'm terrible at this. I should just stop. But I couldn't. I just, I loved it so much. Um, it wasn't about being good. It wasn't about comparing my stuff to the other guys, even though I did. I mean, I, I compared my stuff to all of you guys from AFM. That was kind of what, what, made me want to say, well, I'm not really I'm not figuring out, they're explaining it to me in these articles and I'm not really getting it. So maybe do my own version of that. Maybe do what works for me. And that's when I found success. That's when I found, hey, yeah. I'm not such a dumbass after all. I'm, I, you know, I'm not an untalented you know, little dork. Um, I do have a little something here. <laughs> and just like David Fisher always said in Model Mania, you know, the more success you have, the more you want to do and the more you push your boundaries and the limits of what you think you can pull off. Um, so that's, that's pretty much all it was, was just, you know, finding that stuff at the comic shop. And then um, he started giving me broken statues to fix. The owner of the, sh the store, I was bringing in models and he's like, you're doing all right, man. Here, will you fix these? Cause back then it was, um, I don't think around that time when, when DC was in its infancy of doing statues and Bowen had first come out and there was, uh, there was creative license and more creations. It was still pretty small, pre-paints for it. Graffiti, too, wasn't it? Graffiti, yeah. I think, too. Yeah. Graffiti did a bunch of X-Men stuff, some Marvel stuff. Um, I don't think that they had a system in place like they do now where you could just, you know, show them proof of the defective statue or whatever, and if you smash it and show them proof that you smashed it, like Sideshow does, they'll send you a whole new thing. Back then, it was pretty much like most retail outfits. Well, sorry your shit showed up broken. Sell it at a discount. What you want us to do? You got it wholesale. So he'd give me all these, you know, they'd have little cracks in the wrist or the finger was missing or the barrel of the gun on Punisher was gone or the five o'clock shadow didn't look right. Um, so he'd just give me all this stuff and say, here, fix it and I'll give you credit towards the store. So I was off and running. You know, I, was, I was big time. I thought I was a freaking rock star. Um, started doing that more and more. And then uh, internet, there was statue forum. A lot of people were posting stuff there. There were a few customizers on there. Um, I started posting my work there. Instantly, my inbox filled up with how much to paint this, how much to fix that, how much to repaint this. And I'm like, shit, I don't know. <laughs> so I'm going to guys like Mike Felsigno and Steve Riojas asking for advice. And both of those guys were gracious enough to kind of, you know, push me in the right direction. And, and Steve, Steve was one of the first ones to tell me, like, exactly what we just said before you started. Uh, you think you want to do this. You want to be this big painter guy. Um, but then once you start doing it and people start expecting things of you and you realize how much free time you don't have and they stalk you online and they watch your every move because if you're out partying with your friends and you're not <laughs> waiting there Frankenstein, they got a bone to pick. Um, <laughs> he was dead on with all of it from the industry down to private collectors. He, he was spot on. And it helped to kind of get that warning that I don't think a lot of people get. So I've always been very grateful uh, to him for that. But yeah, it's um, for me, it just felt like a natural progression where I did it because I liked it and I wasn't any good. Then I, I all of a sudden I became competitive with myself and wanted to outdo my last buildup and, and show my like prove that I wasn't spending all this money on expensive kits and airbrushes and paints. And you know how expensive this hobby. Oh, yeah. Um, 
So why am I spending all this money if I'm not even happy with what I'm doing? Am I really enjoying it? Is it even a hobby? What is this? What has this become? Was the question. And I hated my full-time job. I, you know, I didn't have anything in my life that really brought me any joy or made me feel like I was doing anything worthwhile. Um, so there was always something kind of missing. And then once the, the paint jobs started coming together a little more, then I went, okay, there's people out there making money doing this, and I hate my job, so why don't I switch jobs and do that instead? Um, what which, year was that? Because I remember, well, when was your first Wonderfest? When we met, I think, the like, first time. 2000. Two, what year? 2000. Okay. And then when you decided to go full on, I'm a painter now, what year was that? 2010. 2010. Okay. And that's when I reached out to Bowen Designs and I had a whole bunch of buildups I had done for collectors and I basically shoved it all in his face and said, Hey, I want to, I want to, I want to work, but I knew I couldn't just quit my job. You know, I, ha I had no resume. I was, I was mm -hmm. doing all that stuff. I, I always kind of knew I, I've compared it to um, when you used to watch American Idol, the early days, the people who were just like completely fucking terrible, but no one ever told them. <laughs> I, I always told myself like don't ever be that guy don't yeah 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 realistic about your skill level and look at rick Cantu and phil sarah and all the guys from the you know you and all the guys from yeah. the mag compare your stuff to them and if you think your stuff could can stand up on a shelf next to them then maybe it's time to start showing your stuff around if not you might want to wait a little bit you're not ready even if your stuff's not terrible and you're and you're somewhat put together um Nobody's going to pay for just okay. Not really. Right. Some of them will if they don't know any better. Um, but yeah, that was the year when I, I, I just kind of went full in. Hey, if I'm going to do this, I need to start off small. So keep the full-time job, paint part-time. Start working for companies a little bit at a time. Do a job here, a job there. And after a couple of years, I, gave myself, I told myself four years. If you can't do it in four years, then you're not meant to. So I did it part-time for four years. And by that time, I had a nice chunk of work built up to go elsewhere to the bigger companies because at the time, Bowen was kind of out. And um, is Bowen worked. still making stuff, Scott? I don't even like. No, no. Done. No. Not right now. Um, so, yeah, that, that was my plan. My plan worked. And then it was just a matter of. Um, I had some, when, when you have so many people coming to you asking you to take on work that you're having to turn away a substantial amount of offers because of your full-time job, it's time to quit your full-time job. And that's, that's really all I was waiting on. I was just waiting on it to balance out. If, if the workload is there, if you really have enough work to sustain yourself, then yeah, it, it makes sense. But you don't quit. I worked at that steel factory for 15 years. Um, had benefits, 401k. You know, I had my, I had my chunk carved out for myself I, what were day, you doing there at the steel place uh i built these things called knife stands basically the the steel would come in and as a, like a big roll look like a big roll of toilet paper mm -hmm. and you would feed the, the 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 lead of the coil through the knife stand the knife stand would break it into smaller coils so i would build the big thing that that would crunch down on the steel and cut it into multiple oh wow okay coils. And then we would rewind it at the end so you turn one into like seven or twelve or whatever uh, and then we would package them off and ship them. So yeah, so that, that's what I did for a long time. Um, it, it, it was terrible, but I do credit my... Uh, I had a supervisor there that I, I didn't always get along with very well, but uh, he's a good guy and I respect the shit out of him. And he kind of put 
the kind of work ethic you need to be self-employed, especially doing this kind of work, and know that I don't have anybody breathing down my neck. I can get up and do whatever I want all day long. But <laughs> if the work doesn't get done, you don't get paid. And once that reputation gets around, people stop coming. And it happens real easy. Um, you, you both know how people talk. Oh, yeah. So, um, so yeah, being a self-starter and being that, you know, willing to put in 14, 16, even work all through the night, like I just had to do last week for McFarlane toys. Um, if you don't have that kind of dedication to what you're doing and if you don't really take it that serious, uh, and you get pissed off all the time and you're just always feeling slighted or cheated, you're doing something wrong. Um, I'll, I'll say that much, but yeah, man, it's, I don't know. It, it all just kind of. So look at it from the beginning to now, there's parts that are fuzzy and there's times where I really wonder how, like, how, how did this actually work? Cause I had a lot of people looking at me side. I not really saying that it's not going to happen, but they're like, eh. cause, cause you know, in, in, in our hobby for the guys in our area, Wonderfest is kind of like the proving ground. And if you're not really like, let's talk about our friend Shaky Dave. That guy was <laughs> built. That son of a bitch. He loves to compete, and I admire that about him because I'm the opposite. I do not like to compete. And it's not because I don't like to lose. It's that I just I don't like feeling like I'm gloating or bragging or trying to, hey, everybody, look at me. And I'm not saying that's what he's doing at all, Dave. Yeah. Um, no, but he has no problem doing that. <laughs> but, but a lot of the guys who... Uh, I love him. He cracks me up. Who would say, I want to be a professional painter. I want to do this for a living you would expect them to have been a pretty regular competitor, just, you know, pumping out the buildups. I had only competed like three years and that was it. I, I, I competed three years. I got bronzes, silver, I got a gold, I got a best of, and I was like, okay, I, I proved what I needed to prove to myself. That's that what I, I did. I, after years of bronzes and silvers and bronzes and silvers, once I, I got that one gold, I was like, I'm done. I don't need that. Like, that's it. That's all I wanted to do. So, so, yeah, I could see why some of the guys were like, you've got this guy who nobody really knows who he is for the most part. He, he just kind of comes in, does whatever, and leaves. And all of a sudden, he makes a few friends and starts going, hey, guys, by the way, I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to paint. <laughs> and they're all going, you got a kid, man. What the fuck are you thinking? You can't just quit your job. you got job security, man. You've got something that a lot of people don't have. you, know, you got time in, seniority. I had a shit ton of sick time at that job built up at that point. Like, why would you walk away from that Yeah, to go possibly fail? That's uh, okay. Here's my answer. My answer is, and this may have been like replayed on social media by now a million times, and I'm sure other people have said this, but it was that thought of, you know, when I'm older and I'm, and I'm on my deathbed or I'm in my dying days or, you know, it, my time's about to come, that's when all of the, the, the regrets start to come in, supposedly, right? And that was one I didn't want. I didn't want that regret. I didn't want that what if. I didn't want that. You never fucking tried, man. You never, you yeah. never really put it all on the line. So I put my marriage on the line. I put time with my child on the line. I put my friends and family on the line, my living situation on the line. And a lot of people judged me. And I did what I set out to do. And I've been self-employed for going on seven years now. And I'm doing fine. And my wife and I are about to keep buy our first house we awesome bid it on a house and it got accepted so so I'll, I'll warn you about the house and scott will warn you too it's now you're gonna have a job that you don't get paid to work at it's, right it's so, so i can't just i can't just call the landlord and be like hey man come yeah it's when i got my house back in 2014 i'm like it was like the best thing it still is 
But now it's just like, oh my God, I don't get paid to work here. <laughs> and I'm, curious, I'm curious how that's going to work too. I'm, I, I'm a little afraid of my, my November, December, where I'm at with my schedule between printing and painting. I am concerned how that's going to affect yeah. it. It, it takes a toll. Like it's hard for me to fit in. I mean, now between the podcast and one, I want like painting and stuff. When something mm-hmm. breaks, it's like, oh, there's 200 bucks. There's 300 bucks. Right. And then there's 10 hours to fix it. But um, I want to walk through just some, like a couple of, like, where are you now with the 3D printing? How are you fitting that into your painting schedule? And what, what are you doing for other people? What companies are you currently working for? If you even want to say, um, and how's that going? It's rough. Um, COVID, COVID really just threw a booger in everything. <laughs> yeah, it's it's been really tricky. I, I there for a long time. I had it pretty. I had it good. I mean, what can I say? Um, things have changed. It's it's not that. I mean, I think 2000, 2019 was probably my best year, and then um, things already kind of started slowing down a little bit, and then COVID hit, and that's when it really. Uh, the, all the all the companies I was working for just started pulling work. They just really didn't have anything, um, and that really sucks. So it was bare bones. I still did a few pieces for Sideshow during that time. Uh, they they were very gracious and they gave me work where they it probably could have. But all their in house people were working remotely. As everybody was working remote, so yeah, um, didn't really kill me. But it severed a lot of a lot of ties with with some some companies that. I don't see myself working for it anymore. Um, that's a shame. But bring in the printing stuff. Um, an ideal day for me is come out in the garage, um, get the printers running, and once they start running, you guys know how that goes. <laughs> Depending on the part, it could be 9, 17, 24, 32 hour print. Um, so then I get those running, and then I focus on okay, so what's on the paint schedule? Um, and that's, that's kind of how I do it. I'm, I'm trying to focus more on right now is a really cool time. You've got collectors who are seeking out, uh, sculptors and they're saying, Hey, I don't want to buy someone else's version of Wolverine or someone else's version. Like, uh, any character you can think of, they want their own. So they're, they're, they're paying a sculptor to do an original sculpt. Now they're shopping around a guy like me or you or Scott who owns a printer. And they're like, hey, I got this little thing I'm doing just for me. Um, how much to print this? And then once they have it printed, then they're looking for a painter. How much to paint this? Um, and there's a lot of these guys that are doing this. So obviously I'm like, well, hey, um, I, I can do all that right here. Right. Um, so you bring me the files, whether you buy them online or you have the, you're paying five grand for some guy to sculpt you an original thing. Uh, bring me the files. I'll print it. We'll backfill it with either you know foam or resin or both, whatever it, whatever needs to be done. We can print stuff in clear. I can tint the resin and do uh, like people like to paint the uh, the like the translucent flesh. Mm-hmm. We can I can print that here and then paint uh, over top of that and then get a really cool skin effect. Um, we can do it with like like for my Devil Man with the wings, the mem- make the membranes transparent. We can just add some clear to whatever color we want to do the wings in. And then you don't have to, you know, paint them solid or opaque. You can use transparents. Um, so I'm having fun playing around with that and, and giving people even more one of a kind stuff, even more personalized, you know. So 
yeah, the pre-paints are popular and, and kits are popular, but if these guys have no skill, they just know what they want. I want my Superman like this. Well, between me and a sculptor, we can give you that. And yeah, it's going to be expensive and it's going to take a couple of months, but uh, it's working. So that's that's mostly what I'm into right now. One thing I it had said that, and I know it's true, and it's one of the thing that, things that have kept me from casting full-time for people for sure, is you got to have the discipline to sit and, uh, you know, I mean, you have to treat this like it's a job. Okay. Not like it's a hobby and, you know, I'm going to sit around and have my coffee and <laughs> fuck around till noon. And eh, maybe I'll go down there for four hours and then I'm done. You know, it sounds like Ed's got a pretty good grasp on it where he, Hey, it's a job. You know, this is, this pays the bills. This, this is what I'm doing. You know, and uh, too, because it also opens up opportunities where, um, you know, early on, uh, I, you know, started building a friendship with Mark Newman and he gave me access to some files that you know, nobody else is going to play with these things. Um, and, and, you know, he asked me not to share, not to, this is just, you know, if you want to learn how to print, I'll let you use some of my stuff. And that was really cool. And I, you know, I printed a few things for him as well. Um, just trying to figure things out. And it's, it's nice as far as the hobby side, because that's not really a, that's not a commercial or uh, a high paying uh, private commission. That's just, you know, two people saying, Hey man, let's you know, How can we both benefit from this situation? Um, and, you know, having situations like that, where I can get a hold of stuff that not everybody's going to get their hands on. That's where the hobby part comes back in for me because the collector in me, the greedy kid in me that's like, ooh, nobody has this, and now I've got one, or I've got the files to it, uh, and I'm allowed to print one for myself if I want. That kind of exclusivity, that kind of like insider, whatever you want to call it, um, it's pretty cool. It, it helps. It helps on the days where you've got people nitpicking the shit out of your work and making you do stuff three, four, and five times over, and, and just you know really super criticizing the work that you do, and you're like, man, this really sucks. You know, I'm, I'm not enjoying this today. But if you have a, a, a scenario like that where, you know, like if you're friends with Tony Cipriano and he says, hey, here, play around, play around with this. And you're like, oh, hey, cool. Yeah, uh, I wish. Right. Yeah, he doesn't give us anything. <laughs> There's still opportunities in, in my experience right now where, you mm -hmm. know, I've had the, the opportunity to connect with a lot of different artists uh, in a lot of different places, I've, I've, I've befriended some really awesome sculptors in uh, Brazil who are doing some, some future-esque type stuff already on their own. And so I reached out to them and I was like, hey, I see what you're doing. I really like it. What do you think of this? And I just start showing them future stuff. And immediately, like, we've been friends since we were five years old. So what's with Brazil? Let's start there. Why are all these awesome digital sculptors coming out of Brazil? No clue. It's it's amazing how many guys are down there yeah. doing really cool stuff. Yep. Yep. And it's I don't know. People need to and pick the one up their guy. Camera. Well, there's two guys I've bought the majority of my files from. You know because they do what I want. Yeah. And uh, they're both from there. And yeah. um, and the one guy is just so super nice guy. You know, and he's like. I suggest something to him two days later, he's like sculpting it, you know? And it's like, I told him, Hey, I man, do the groovy ghoulies. <laughs> Next thing I know, there's the mummy. Now the Drax out. Nice. And now my fucking printer's broke. <laughs> um, 
but like this mummy I printed, I, I love it. It, it like it's like yeah, this thing's cool, you know. So it's uh, and I think Ed, you probably fall in the same category. Scott has a real niche like stuff that he likes. I have like that same kind of thing. Me and you are very similar in our taste. I think in kits that there isn't a lot of that stuff that we like out there where 3d printing has opened that door to mm-hmm. some of the more eighties kids stuff and the nineties kids stuff. like even the, like you, like you just said, the futuresque stuff, if they, if people can bring that back through 3d printing and find a way, which I think you're attempting to do with some of that, I think and that's also, a great place to be. Check out Stuart good. He's doing a couple of pieces himself. Um, he's, he's looking to, you know, Tarada and Narasawa as well for inspiration. Really great guy doing really cool stuff. He's constantly, man, that guy's a printing machine. He's, he's always posting. I, I don't know how he does it. It's like, anyways, if, if you like that kind of stuff, go check yeah. him out. Um, when it comes to painting things, is there something like, is there a job you won't take? Cause you're like, Oh, I hate painting that kind of stuff. There's a job I used to not take. Um, when my daughters were both younger. And I wouldn't do, um, if, if a female wasn't done, in my opinion, tastefully, basically, they're always coming out seeing what I'm doing. Yeah. Anything overly sexual or risque or perverted or just, just dirty. Um, as much as I, I like that stuff, you know, like anybody else, but I, I wouldn't <laughs> do the jobs because I didn't want my, my daughters being, uh, I don't know, I didn't want, I didn't want to, to normalize that to them. I didn't want them to think that it's, that that's something that's okay to just shove in anybody's face or what. I mean, I, I, I'm not going to, I don't want to get political about it, but it's just my own personal. Yeah. Uh, I have no problem with nudity and kids never had, never will, but I don't need my little, little girls coming out here seeing me, you know, um, right. Painting boobs all over the place. It just, Meanwhile, TikTok is showing. More than oh, yeah. yeah. No, don't get me started on TikTok. Dude. Oh my God, dude. It's but, um, but uh, that and dinosaurs. I, I've tried to do dinosaurs. I can't, man. I don't get it. I, just, <laughs> I suck at them. I suck it's, at dinosaurs. it's It's funny how some things are like that. You're just like, I don't like, like, I just don't understand how to make this look right. I, yep. That's how I am with cars and airplanes. Like anytime I try and do that, it looks terrible to me. Like I can't, someone's always like, hey, can you paint this car for me? I'm like, oh no. Right. I'm laughing at Ed because, you know, he hates the dinosaurs. And of course we all know Steve is like the <laughs> yeah. dinosaur king yeah. and Steve hates doing superheroes, hates it. He does him, but right. he hates it. Right. He just, yeah. I, he'd rather paint a hundred dinosaurs to one superhero. I, I would yeah. say that um, 70% of my body, like, I don't want, I know it's going to sound like a total douchebag comment. <laughs> I, I can't, I don't know the other, any other words, but 70% of my body of work, uh, it's all superheroes, and it, it, it's gonna be. I mean, I'm I'm booked out for the rest of the year on. It's all superheroes, it's all, and it's it's mostly Marvel. I mean, the Marvel movies really uh, tip the scale with a lot mm-hmm. of adult collectors. And there's guys coming in who don't know jack shit about the comics. They never read them, and they don't care to. Um, but they think that these big quarter scale statues in their rooms look look awesome and i don't disagree they do i mean as much as i hate painting them when you get done with one and you put it all together and get ready to take your photos and stuff mm-hmm. there's times like those the supermans i sent you pictures of um i didn't focus on the costumes much because his costume was real basic but the client wanted me to focus on the flesh tones on the, on the portraits 
Mm-hmm. And I got done with that one, uh, the one Kingdom Come Superman where he's he's looking to the side and he's, his head's tilted, he's looking angry. Uh, I really love the way that one turned out. When I took pictures of it, it's been a couple months since I've looked at my own stuff and went, wow, man, that's really cool. I, I really, I just dig it. I, I was taking pictures from all different angles, up, down, and um, even put him on the, the classic, like the superpowers colored one that we did, where everything's uh-huh. bright and vivid, you know, 80s Superman. Um, I don't know. that. Not very often do I ever look at my own work long enough to appreciate it. It's usually I got to get it done, photograph it, send it in for approval, do any changes that need made for the licensor, then submit it again, and hopefully second time it goes. And you ship it, hurry up, and get it out overnight. So I never get to appreciate my own stuff, but that piece really was just like, yeah, as much as I hate superheroes now, didn't feel as much didn't feel as much like superhero to me as much as it did like I just made a really cool looking character. He looked a little more realistic than most of the stuff I do. When you do something for that's going to be a pre-paint, and everyone knows all pre-paint statues have that pre-paint look, right? Yeah. They're all kind of just there's, and I think that's, and you can back me up because you've been there and you've done it. Is that limited because they say, hey, the factory needs to do this? So you kind of limit it, limit what you do going into it, or do you paint it all out as best you can? And so, yeah, walk us through this, like how that works for any sort of company that's well, doing a figure. Right off the bat, for most of the companies, and I'm not trying to speak for any of them, um, but in my experience, the 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 one of the first things you're looking at with pre-paints in the factories is how good is your factory, the factory you're using. Uh, just how skilled are, are the laborers there and how good can they, you know, match color. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the factories, there's, it seems like there's certain techniques they just really mess up. Uh, weathering techniques tend to look like, you see how the pre-paints look. It, it, it turns into kind of a muddy, messy, it's not sharp, it's not crisp, it's not, you can't quite make out what's what. There's no distinction. Yeah. Um, so in cases like that, you want to hold back a little and, and make it very obvious and do, think of everything in terms of, of one and two, one and two. Like for me, um, if I'm going to do a pair of combat boots, base coated black, dry brush it with neutral gray, any shade of gray you want, but that's it. If you want to start coming back in with washes with, of brown, brownish black or add green, or if you want to do dirt and mud all over, yeah, yeah, that's fine. But now you're you're kind of asking for them to maybe just smear all over the boots, and now they just kind of looks like trash. Yeah. It also matters when your client has a, a price point they're trying to hit, and every extra step that you add onto that paint job is going to cost them more money, which drives the price of that product up. So you have to keep that in mind too. You want to make it look the best it can look with the least amount of applications possible. So, you know, simple, clean, but but dynamic. Bring out the, the details that are there. Um, too little and it looks super cheap and stupid. Uh, too much and now the price just went up and the factory may struggle. So you really got to, if you have a good project manager or art director, um, it helps to ask questions and say, hey, I've got a couple different ways I could approach this. Uh, and, and and be specific. I could do it like this. I could do it like. Let them decide. You know, take some of that pressure off, and let them tell you 
what they would like you to do because ultimately a lot of times they've been to the factories in person they've seen the production up close they kind of already know where the limitations are so rely on that rely on the fact that they know how to do their job so just worry about doing your job don't try to second guess them don't try to be the man don't try to save the day just hey man i'm here to to do it to perform a job provide a service just do that um that's my experience that's really all it is with the factories is um you'll also have clients that like sideshow they don't want that they're like no we want it all do it all whatever technique you have to make that leather look as realistic as possible nice and weathered and um whatever you do to make that skin look nice and warm and you know bring out all that i mean they're, they're taking the time to have these guys sculpt all this detail into these costumes right so you don't want to neglect it so they were they were the first one that actually told me the opposite of what i had been told for like five years <laughs> they were like no we don't want you to hold back no we're not you know ed stop just here just do this and i'm like okay so that was it was rough it was um adjustment working for sideshow it was it was a totally different mindset and they wanted all i could give them they're like no we want like like you we really want you to dig it deep and give us a give 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 on these pieces and i'm like okay which was which was really nice at first and then like anything you get burnt out and then you get kind of like oh shit they offer you a job and you're like well the money's great and the name association's great um it helps your career a little bit but it's the time and all the work and the you can't be no slouch and you can't just phone it in and hand in whatever because i right i won't lie i did that twice um yeah those two projects uh they i mean they 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 cat totally called me out on it and i was like i know i know i fucked up and my timeline's off and now i don't have enough time to really fix it and i've just been kind of like i didn't i didn't really i just didn't you know that thing you gotta have, I just wasn't. Yeah. It. And uh, yeah, and it's it's it sucks to to admit, but I'm not. I'm you know, hey, I'll admit it. I I make mistakes. You know, I get lazy. I get caught up in my own shit sometimes, and <laughs> my my job suffers for it. We all you know yeah. I'll do it. But um, she's with, amazing, by the way. Watching her cool. paint, oh my god! <laughs> and she's even cooler. I mean, no to to get to know her, to to interact with her, and talk to her. I mean. Um, just modest isn't even the word. I mean, it's, it's almost like, uh, you know, she's got to hear compliments constantly and, and, and she just kind of takes it all in stride and it's like, eh, whatever. Like she just, she's the, one of the most, one of the sweetest, most down to earth people that I've met in the industry. And it was always really helpful, um, and totally understood where I was coming from. Cause a lot of these people that I would meet never freelanced. They've always worked in house. They were always local to, you know, New Jersey. Uh, you know, um, in uh, what's the area in California where a lot of them were Burbank. Yep. Uh, you have people who had the benefit of being able to, you know, commute into work and do these jobs in person. And she was the first person that I had met who was like, "No, I I've freelanced. I've been where you're at. I know how it is." So not that I was looking for sympathy. But empathy, having someone who could say, yeah, man, I get it. I, I know you're juggling a lot. Uh, just you're doing a good job. Keep it up. If it wasn't for that, there was a period where I, I really considered quitting. I, th- I talked to my wife and I said, maybe I should just go get another job and just do this part time again because 
I don't know that I'm cut out for it. It's, it's been a fun ride. I've done okay. But I'm, I know sometimes you got to know when to quit too. Uh, you got to know when, when to hang it up and say, hey, this thing's, this thing's kicking my ass as much as I wanted it. Uh, it's, put, it's really putting me through the ringer and I don't know how much longer I can hold on. So I had that moment too. Um, luckily, I, I got through that. But, you know, it's, it's always been a challenge. It's always, it's the, the feast or famine mindset too. You end up overloading yourself with work and now you've overpromised and you don't have enough time to do all the things you've committed to. Uh, that's dangerous as well. Um, I still fight. I still fight that. It's, yeah. People just need to understand, like, I'm doing it all myself. I have no help. I have a family. Um, and ultimately, I hope that they would understand that, yeah, it's my job, but these things are just plastic and they're going to sit on your shelf and you're either going to trade them or sell them in, in a year anyway, probably. A lot of these guys don't hang on to this stuff for very long. So I don't think it's that personal when I upset them. I'm like, yeah, but come on, guys. Let, let's just call it what it is. I know? think what, what Mark Worthling said is as long as your communication is on top and people know what's going on, I don't think any of those kind of setbacks would would cause people any sort of yeah it's, it's when you get up in your own shit and you and you go quiet on people and you disappear yep then they're like oh he's ghosting us man he's a, he's he's a con artist and you're like yep. what are you talking about <laughs> uh, no, I, I'm a teenager i'm busy like, <laughs> i'm over here still doing the work i just may not talk to you but when you not- sorry <laughs> when you paint something that's like realist realism based versus a cartoon based how do you approach that differently? Because like looking at your cuphead guys and looking at the Joker and the Huntress there, like cartoon, when you paint something cartoon style and Scott, this might help you because you're going to be painting some cartoons here soon. Um, how do you approach that when your brain typically goes, I need to shade or I need to put a wash or I need to like do this instead of just sticking to a flat color. You know what I mean? How can you kind of walk us through that? Absolutely. So hopefully they're going to give you Pantones to follow. Um, so Pantones or, or color callouts, the color's already been decided, you know, make the pants this color, make the, like, like if you're doing Scooby-Doo, for instance, I did some Scooby-Doo stuff from Esco and easy, easiest work you'll ever do because all the color callouts are there. It's like, this is Shaggy's shirt. We all know what his shirt looks like. Here's his pants. We all know what his pants look like. Here's his shoes, his skin, his eyes. Same for Scooby, same for Velma. Um, when you're doing animated, animated stuff, it's, it's actually, a little more fun you know it takes all the stress out all the guesswork is done you don't have to worry about um contrast you don't have to worry about playing on on the shapes at all it's if if the everything that is the hair it's all one color that's it everything that is the glove is all one color that's it there's no dry brush there's no washes you don't have to worry yeah. about picking up any detail they don't want that that's not what they want do you, what paint do they what paint is there a specific paint when it comes to Pantones? So, so you just have to match whatever that is and using some, your paint. That- yeah, that part can be hard. Um, typically, what I used to do was I would ask them, okay, when I know I got a project coming, I'm like, hey, we're doing Pantones. But as you're shipping me the, the parts, send me the Pantones, excuse me, so that I can sit around for a day, mix up a bunch of these, Dixie Cups. Put a little piece of tape on top and write the Pantone on it. So when my project comes, all my colors are already mixed. I've already gone through the headache of trying to get it right because they want them pretty exact. And when they, you know how when a wet paint sample looks one way, yeah. you dry it, 
and then it looks a little a, a little darker. Uh, but also depending on what's underneath it. You know, did you use? Because another thing that I, I've been talking with people about lately too is, since at one at what point did everyone decide that gray primer was like the only primer that you use? I hate you wouldn't get out Crayola markers and draw on gray paper. It distorts the color. Why are you? Sh why is everybody and their mom still using gray primer on everything? Dude, use white primer. What the fuck is wrong with you? White primer. That's what well, it's that, at. like. I don't know if you've seen it, and Scott, I've talked about this on the show before. It's called Zenithal Priming, where you mm -hmm. do black, gray, and white on the same thing, so that you have your light, your light shift is already on there for you, and you do really thin coats of paint, and it kind of builds up the highlights for it. It's really cool. People should check it out. I think it's a great way to prime your. I would, I would love to check it out. That sounds yeah. very interesting. The, the a lot of the miniature guys do it. It's called Zenithal Priming. It's kind of like or Zenithal old, Highlight. Yeah, that old the when I picked up the trick from AFM amongst multiple contributors, where you know you start with gray and you dry brush white and then use your transparent color and yeah. then over it and then boom and you're like oh shit like yeah it's the same kind of thing yep so much better than sitting there dry brushing all heavy or doing <laughs> washes that don't stay where you want them to uh, but yeah there's no specific type of paint that we have to use i use i mean i've got citadel paints here i've got comart paints i've got jesse's uh garage kits colors that are they're amazing and i use the shit out of these cheapies that everyone says suck <laughs> um i've been using these for, since forever and they work just fine for me um they have the best blue that's what i used for my superman blue there was uh, a blue that i would get from like ceram coat or something uh, this is my favorite blues from vallejo i have like 10 it's this dark blue okay from vallejo and you can just use you know any other color to manipulate but just starting from this point to me just is super comfortable especially with doing eye color like blue eyes add a little bit of black to outline it then fill with this then add white into your highlights. What's the name of that blue? Is it just plain blue? Dark blue. Okay. <laughs> 70.930. All right, cool. Dark blue, that's a tough one. So I think even though I'm not a painter, I think I can answer your question about gray primer. Okay. I think a lot of people use it because it's easy to see the flaws in the model. Oh, okay. Okay. And, you know, so... At that point, they can see others oh, that seem like gray is real easy to see. That's true. I always hated white resin. So when I cast now, very seldom will I not cast in gray resin. Okay. Because it's easier for the people to see. It's like, so I always looked at that and said, it's like having a prime kit in your hand. Yeah. Um, the gray resin. I like printing in the gray. I like the Elegoo gray because it, it's, you know, it's easy to see. But I can also see your point. When he, when you say okay well and you know you wouldn't paint over gray so you know then prime you know do another coat white um, you know so I mean I get it but that, that would just be my my guess as to why people well, go I, did for, I mean I, I did it forever and then I think it was uh, maybe three years ago when Cat um, was telling me my about my flesh tones and you know they looked a little on the green side. And I was like, okay. And she's like, are you are you starting from white? Are you using white as your base color and then putting your flesh tones on top of white? And I was like, uh, no. <laughs> After that, I went, you know what? I'm just going to primer the whole thing in white and just now all my colors will be exactly because there's no, mm -hmm. there's, there's no, you know, 
whatever word you want to call it. Um, it, it just it, it seemed like it improved. Everything just came out a little bit more like what I envisioned in my head or how I thought it was going to. Um, I wasn't having to um, over adjust the highlights and shadows. Like starting with white just fixed a lot of problems. I think I, I don't know if you call them problems, but um, it can be when you're not painting for yourself, you're painting for someone else. It's about what it's not about you and your tendencies and your the things you tend to gravitate towards. It's about they want to they want a result. And you've got to know the, the, the easiest and the fastest way to get that result uh, by knowing your paints and your materials. So you can sit down when they give you a four day turnaround, you can get that shit done in four days because you know what you're doing. I know exactly how to get that look because I got it up here. But <laughs> if you're using the wrong, you know, primer color and it's fucking up all your, well, that, yeah, that's a problem. And for me, it was. So I, I, I haven't used gray primer for a couple of years now. I, I use black, uh, I use the rusty red stuff and I use white, but I, you will, you will see zero gray primer in, in my box of primers. I like, I have to go back to that rusty red. I used to use that in miniatures when I was a kid a lot. I wanted to go back and try. I have some. I need to use it more. Um, you, this saber tooth that you painted here, I, I think I want, I want you to tell everybody, and if you don't want to and it's a state secret, that's fine. Um, secret. <laughs> help people out. How did you do the five o'clock shadow? Okay. Because I think it is really, really well done. And this is a great example of it. What I did first, same was, I took my, my flesh tone and I added a little bit of blue. And I thinned it with water first. Then I hit it with denatured alcohol. And I, I have a, on my airbrush, I've got a little Mac valve down here that regulates my air. So I turn it way down so that it spits that little, you know, uh -huh. freckle. And I did, I masked off with uh, Silly Putty and I did the freckle pattern for the five o'clock shadow first. Then I opened it back up, thinned it out a little more, held it way back and just missed it in real fine layers over top of that. So from a little bit farther away, you still read it as five o'clock shadow. When you look at it close, you can see all the little scruffy dots. Yeah. All the dots that are in the skin too. Cool. It looks That's really good. I even like the eyes on there too. Like you did a really like, I had just watched Pumpkinhead, and the, the <laughs> guy told me, I said, how are we doing his eyes? Because in my mind, Sabretooth shouldn't have an iris or a pupil. He's like this big, feral, barely conscious person to me uh, who just wants to kill stuff. So he said, do them however you want. Paint them black if you want to, like in the first movie. And I was like, ooh, Pumpkinhead, just white with, yeah. with veins that go all the way in. So that's how I did it. I just did white, and I did the veins all the way in. And then I did a wash of bloodshot and glossed them, and that was it. That was all I did for the eyes. And that, that totally works. All right, it didn't look too bad. Even though that sculpt is like really, it's supposed to be the uh, the Marvel versus Capcom version, so that's why the anatomy is kind of. So wait, who is that piece for? It's for a private collector. It was group. a private piece. I I like that Marvel versus Capcom. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're doing a whole series of those. And, uh, the anatomy's got that really weird anime thing yeah. going. On. I dig it. So yeah. Totally. So these these private collectors, I remember Steve telling me, mm -hmm. and uh, and I don't want to call them out, but as you mentioned, <laughs> they have deep pockets. Um, they come out with these beautiful things, like that beast on the desk and and stuff like that. Yep. And I remember Steve at one point telling me they were looking for a caster, but they want everything solid. And I'm like, 
Yeah. There's just, there's no way. Like you'd have to hollow, you'd have to rotocast it and then fill it because there's just. That desk was hollow. And when it shipped, the damn thing was broken. So I, I fixed it when I got it, painted the whole thing, shipped it to the, the guy. And when he got it, it was broken again. So he shipped just the desk back to me and I had to repair all four corners on the desk. I split up the middle. You're right. You can't use some of this stuff. It what was that desk weigh? Solid. 10 pounds? More. Yeah, yeah. easy. Yeah, it's 13, 15 pounds, probably. But and they love this quarter scale stuff too. But yeah. I remember Steve told me, but man, they want it all solid. And it's like and uh we're going round and round with Tony too, because Tony prints all his stuff solid. Because oh. he wants he wants people to feel like they got something. That you know what? That's true. Because one of the biggest complaints I have with people when when you want to talk about pricing, I would send them their print and it's hollow, and they're like Okay, is it supposed to be like this? And I'm like, what are you talking about? Well, it's it's hollow and there's holes in it. And I'm like, yeah, that's that's how it is. And they're like, but this isn't what I wanted. And they weren't aware of of the difference, and we never talked about it. So I had to start having that conversation early on too, to let them know, hey, this thing I'm going to print it hollow because it makes more sense for me. You know, all all the reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we can backfill it if you want it solid. I'm just not going to print it solid. Um, yeah, there's something to this. I want it to have weight to it. I want it to feel like something. And I'm like, but it looks amazing regardless. So why does it, to me, it doesn't matter. I don't give a shit if it's hollow or not. Well, and I think it's a different, they're not garage kit guys. They're, they're statue collectible guys. Right. Yeah. There's a difference. You're right. right. So we look at it as it's a kit, but to them, it's a, I don't know. It, it's a statue that, you know, it's just not pre-painted and they send it to somebody like Ed or, um, Morozik or John well, Allred. And that's going to tie into with, uh, with the devil man that I'm producing. There's we've, we've taken that into consideration as well. So, well, let's talk about that now. What are you producing? I, are you sculpting ever again since you're Hellboy? No, <laughs> nothing. That was only one time. I'm not I'm done. Not. Okay. <laughs> so what are you producing like 3d printing and, and how's that going for you? How are you doing it? What are you doing? It's doing, it's doing really well. It's doing better since I, uh, I teamed up with uh, a guy named Eric Askew. Okay. Um, he's the one who's doing all He's a digital sculptor, but he is a genius at the engineering part. So if I bring him something like, say you bring me a CG trader file and the parts fits are all stupid and, you know, it doesn't make sense the way it's broken down or you want to put lights in it or whatever. Give the files to him and he can totally redo the way this thing is engineered, make the parts fit however you want, key it however you want. Uh, he, he's amazing. So he basically, the, this devil man that I sold at Wonderfest, and th- this goes out to everyone who bought that one six scale bust that I sold. Um, right there. Yeah. <laughs> I apologize for the fact that that kit will not build as is. Uh, the, the person who did the engineering on that, and I didn't know it until <laughs> at the show, there's no clearance on any of the parts. So the, it's, it's, there's, there's no I noticed that, but then I haven't, when I got, okay, I'll let you keep going and then I'll tell you. <laughs> so I was having to, at my booth, I was having to, to apologize to people and tell them, now before you buy this, if you don't want to buy it, I'll understand. 
because you're not going to be able to build it. You're going to have to sand. Luckily, the, the, the bust itself, the head and torso, is, is one big female key. Yeah. Everything else plugs into it. So all you have to do is sand down all those other parts, which is a pain in the ass. And I ended up doing it for a few people who ordered one after the show. I sat here and sanded them and tested them all so they fit. So what, what Eric was kind enough to do was, so I'm going to be offering this as a print, uh, a print to order. And I know everybody likes different scales. So I'm offering one eighth scale, one sixth scale, one fourth, and one third. Um, you just tell me, basically get a hold of me, tell me what you want. If you want me to do the translucent skin like we were talking about earlier, I can, I can print it in that resin. You just need to tell me what color or what shade we're going for to start with. Um, if you want the wings done in a semi-clear so the membranes are clear, let me know. We can do that too. Um, there's going to be a certain level for, for builders who like to do things themselves, but there will also be a deluxe version that's only being sold in one scale, and it will come with acrylic eyes, and you get to pick the eye. So go to Van Dyke's Taxidermy Online, uh, 14 millimeter eye, frog, gecko, snake, whatever you want. You tell me which one it is, I get the eye, and I'll build up the bust and also put the eyes in. So when you get it for the statue guys, for the collectors who don't build and paint, uh, they can take advantage of this as well. So that's what we're doing with the Devil Man. We're trying it out. If it works, we've got more models we want to do in the future like this. But we're just kind of trying it out. Um, if one specific scale seems to be way ahead of the rest and everyone is, for the most part, saying, yeah, screw all those little ones. We just want something the size of Alex the Vampire, Boris the Werewolf, Cedric the Zombie. If they want that, um, then I'm, I'm going to be needing molding and casting. So, yeah. Scott, I may have a job for you if you want. Well, there you go, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Sorry, the, my phone started to go off. That's the deal with Devil Man. I, I wanted to appeal to to all collectors. I want the, the the kit builders and the non builders. I wanted to have something for for everyone. Um, and also, you know, no no two will be alike. So if I have to do a deluxe version for someone, you won't be able to pick the exact same colors as the last guy. You won't be able to pick the same eyes as the last guy. I want each collector to truly have a one of a kind piece. That's not this isn't for mass production this isn't pre-paint um this is a one-off and that's that's the intention and that's what it's going to be very cool that may piss some people off but then don't buy it i don't care yeah. what do I, it's it's it's, a, it's plastic guys you know what i'm saying so, it, it always comes down to that it's plastic just plastic. um if someone wants to reach out to you to have something printed or is looking for a printer printing service or any of that um, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Where can they find you? Give me your Instagram. Give me all that stuff. Yeah, I'm on Facebook. Um, at Bradley, you'll see a picture of me and my kid. We're gonna link to everything here. But yep. Instagram is uh, at Hey Painter Guy. There's a bunch of I don't even know what's on there because I I just cool ran stuff. <laughs> I'm not the best at self promotion either. Oh, um, the worst. Or so there's can... no Ed Bradley TikTok. Huh? We should start one. <laughs> say that there is. There's one. <laughs> Uh, there's three videos on it. There's two of my dogs at my old studio walking around while I'm working. And there's one of a uh, Miles Morales Spider-Man that I was working on. Oh, cool. Um, but that's it. I haven't really, I don't have time for, I'd like to get into the video part. I'd like to do uh, paint-alongs or, um, you know, Zoom classes. Or I'd like to get into to that realm and start monetizing, letting people not just watch me work, but 
be involved so they can ask questions, mm-hmm. follow along. What I'd really like to do is um, we'll pick a model and we'll, you know, either all 3D print the copies or we can, if we all have printers, we can all 3D print them. So we're working from the same piece. And, and then just do a, a Bob Ross. Everybody get their drinks, you know, do a, a, a <laughs> sip idea. and dip or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I wouldn't have to charge much if I had like five guys following along. We can shoot the shit. We can talk about movies, comics, music, whatever. Uh, but basically get people more comfortable with the materials. And, okay, flesh tones don't have to be scary. Let me show you how I do them. I'm not saying I'm, you know, any, anybody to be teaching, but, you know, if somebody wants to learn and they think that they want to learn how I do it, I'll show you how I do it. You know, and, and Jason, yeah. we, we all do things a different way. Your way of showing someone how you do flesh, you know, would be a totally different learning experience. I think that's a great idea. When I was trying to do the live stuff, the problem I had is students found my, <laughs> found my YouTube channel from school. So then I'm yeah. sitting there talking to kids from work all day and I'm like, okay, I can't do this live anymore. So I'm, right. I'm going back to like the, the edited stuff. But, but not only that, I'd like to get, uh, get one where we can take, like I was talking with you at Wonderfest, we can take an old model kit that's not very impressive mm-hmm. um, and kind of boost it with some 3D printing. Um, there's a couple of kits that come to mind right off the bat that I think people would be really shocked uh, if I really had the time to sit down right now and say, okay, let me show you what I'm talking about. There's the Horizon cable. Um, there was that Mojo resin uh, Arnold that Sean Nagel did. I, I don't remember if it was from Commando or if it was from Predator, but there's one where he's he's holding an M16, he's shirtless, and I always thought, you know what? Uh, I'm not trying to insult Sean Nagel. A better <laughs> a better pair of hands and a more realistically sculpted M16 and a, and a base for that thing would really set it off. And you can print all of that to scale, yeah. match the scale of your model, um, and it would it would it would bring that kit up a notch, you know? Um, that cable was always a nice kit from Horizon. Yeah, but it, the stance is weird. The head position's weird. He just looks like he's, like he's yeah. had ingestion and he's not sure if he wants to shoot <laughs> him or if he's trying to squeak a fart out or what. But, uh, but yeah, man, there's access to so much stuff. Um, that, that's the kind of stuff I want to, I want to try to convince people that uh, it's kind of like when your parents get divorced and you've got your real dad and your stepdad and, you're not, you don't want to dishonor either one or disrespect either one, but you only need one of them. You don't need them both. Uh, as you get older, you realize that there's room for both if you just figure out where each person fits. With yeah. traditional modeling and 3D printing, there's room for both, and they actually complement each other very well if you're creative and you just figure out a way to, to make it match up. And I think if, if we start getting more people showing guys, hey, here's an idea. Oh, well, I don't have that model, but that would go well with a similar model. Um, cause I know a lot of the, the kits I got into early on, but like we said, back in the late nineties, early two two thousands, they didn't come with bases. The poses were weird. Uh, why'd they choose that costume or why'd they choose that accessory or, or whatever. You can fix all that now. You can go find files online and you can fix all those issues. And now you don't have to hate that model anymore. And you'll make people go, holy shit, I've never seen that. That's how they should have made it. And then it gets people talking and it gets everybody interested. What do you mean 3d printing? Well, how much are they? I could get one for 300. You know what? I think I just might. Yeah. I I think there's a lot of resistance still, especially in the garage kit community for various reasons. And we've been preaching, obviously there's room for both. Um, You know, the advantage is 
you know, um, we talked earlier in our review section that we haven't recorded yet, but um, <laughs> uh, Needful Things, he's got a Robin Hood kid coming out, Errol Flynn Robin Hood. And I said, dude, that quill full of arrows, man, you should 3D print those all day because you don't want to cast those, you know? And so I like what the uh, Stan Arts uh, people done with the Tauntaun kit. There's yep. 3D printed parts right. in, with traditional resin. So there, there's room, you know, it, it, it can work out that way. Um, I've said, and as you know, and Jason knows, it's hard to do large production runs with a 3d printer. Cause they're just so damn slow. Okay. Right. And so it's kind of like you just touched on. So you get, maybe everybody wants one six scale. So you traditionally mold and cast that. But if you get somebody that comes in and says, can you do one in one eighth or whatever, you still have the ability to custom print one at right. a different size. Well, and the other kit that I'm doing, the, uh, the one that's actually more futuresque, the, uh, the Cayman Riders O versus Doris. I'm going to do the base. Because the base is the largest and takes the longest time to print. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to make a dump mold and I'm going to cast that in resin and 3D print the parts for the figures. Um, so that way I can, I can reduce the cost a little bit and help myself out by not having to 3D print all those bases every time. I just, this is the smaller version though, right? Yeah. Is that I got? Yep. That's, the, that's the 112th version. Yep. And we're doing it. We've got 1 6th. Um, so I'm going to be doing it. I, I was trying to shop it around and get some people to take one molding and casting on it. it just seemed like everyone was kind of in the same spot that I, I get in a lot where between life and work, you already have so many irons in the fire. You don't really have time. There it is. You know, and also the sculptor has been waiting on me to release this thing too. So he's sitting back like, okay, we were supposed to be selling these. What's, what's the deal? I said, well, let me do the, the base as an actual casting and then we'll print the other parts and then we'll offer it around the same price we were going to offer it. Uh, but we'll just do it print, print to, to order. That way I'm not asking you to crank out, you know, give me 10 castings and I'm paying for all that up front. And maybe we only sell seven. Well, then what do I do with the other three? They're going to sit around. I, I don't know that I really want to do that. I would rather just, you know, if you want it, come to me and we'll make it to order. And then I know I'm not working for nothing. I'm not putting this time in where there's no guaranteed sale at the end. Like I would kind of, I'm doing this is for me is all about, and I know it's, it's kind of a contradiction, but I need security and I've chosen a lifestyle where there really is none. <laughs> so if I'm going to go off and make my own stuff, I'm going to build in some security. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. It really does. Ed, anything else you want to share before we take off? Um, I think I've ran my mouth enough. Um, <laughs> I mean, I don't really. Do you have an email or anything? Do you have you want to give that out, or you just want people to go through Facebook or Instagram? Uh, you know what? It seems like Facebook Messenger really is. I mean, everyone's got tablets okay. and high watches. Um, that, that seems to really be the best way to for me to communicate with people okay. because talk. I can shoot images. They can shoot me images. Um, I can send them links or we can even switch it over to a video chat or cause I've got a, you know, I've got the camera set up right here at the paint desk. I can show them stuff if I have to. Very cool. Yeah. That, no, I mean, that's, that's really it. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see where things go from here. I mean, I'm, I'm doing more stuff with guys who are bringing me original sculpts. So I'm like, 
well, shit, no one's even going to see this thing till I'm done with it. And only one of them is going to even exist. So I've got a guy who's doing a, a Namor the Submariner with me. Uh, and it's all original. So there's just one of them. And he's going to be the guy to have it. And then there's a Black Panther from him right after that. Uh, and I've had a little bit of influence. Like, I never get to play art director. I never get to to have input with posing and accessorizing and, you know, base details and things like that. But uh, this this guy's allowed me to have some of that input. So Very cool. Being able to take my experience with how kits, you know, you've seen bad kits, you've seen good kits, you know, sharing that with him has helped save him some time and some money as well. I'll, I'll tell you what's driving me nuts, Ed. What's that? Because I'm a 70s, uh, early 80s comic guy. Mm-hmm. And I, I look at all this stuff, and it's it's beautiful. It's hyper-detailed. It's it's what I call realistic. Okay. Yeah. But I'm more of a fan of the Bowen style, so it looks like it did in the comics. One thing I have found when I'm looking for files and looking at CG Trader and, and all these, nobody's doing it that way. They're all doing this ultra realistic stuff, and it's right. it's bad. It, it's because it's like, oh, I just want basic. I got you. Know. You. Or there's times where I've I've asked some of my sculptor friends, I'm like, you know, could I get you to sculpt me this, but but do it in this artist's style? So if it's John Byrne, or mm-hmm. if it's uh, Dennis Cowan, or if it's Jim Lee, or you know, um, you know, any 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 artist you can think of who had a uh, a distinct style and really made their mark on a certain book. Like I want a John Byrne style Fantastic Four. I want all of them to look exactly the way he drew them. You're right. There's really nobody doing that right now. So I, I recently had a, a sculptor do a uh, Bishop from the X-Men and I said, here's some reference. I want him to look exactly how Jim Lee drew him in the comic. Uh, that's what I want. Right. That's what he gave me. He gave me exactly that. And you're right. It, yeah, it, it's, it is getting overcomplicated and it is getting a little bit too much. It's like, let me just, I don't know. I want more kits like, um, remember when uh, there was a company called The Shape of Things, I think, and they did a Johnny Quest series yes. of kits yeah. that all came together. I, I painted a set of those for a collector once. And, as, and I was never really into Johnny Quest, but I'll be damned if those weren't some of the 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 best and funnest kits I ever put together and painted. Like I really had fun building those. So I, I want there to be more stuff like that. So I'm thinking of doing uh, like some Calvin and Hobbes type stuff, um, but maybe push the fantasy on it a little bit. So you can tell it's Calvin and Hobbes, but uh, it's, it's yeah, the- you gotta be real careful there. Cause that guy chases, he chases. That's I think okay. Disney's bad. He chases. So, uh, right. But, um, yeah, I, I just always liked, like I said, I, I like the Bowen style. I look at the, the Bowen Dr. Doom, the first Dr. Doom where he's standing there. I, I always say that's like a perfect Dr. Doom. Right. And then you see all these other things and the armor is hyper detailed and it's nice. Don't get me wrong. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. But it's just, it's too much. Right. You know? right. I, I did get the Thanos on the throne from Sideshow because I thought it was beautiful. Yes. But, but it's still not, thanos from the comics you know it's you know so it's yeah sometimes it's okay to have the difference but man i wish there was more guys doing the 3d sculpts yeah i I think the the thing about it is it's kind of like uh this is it's it's the silhouette you know there's 
if you couldn't see the details of the thing and all you could see was the silhouette. Mm-hmm. Striking, is it iconic? Does it, does it really hit that mark for you? Like, oh, that's Spider-Man. And you can tell it's Spider-Man. Even though you can't see the colors and the line art, you can just see the silhouette and you can tell what pose he's probably in. And you're still kind of like, yeah, that's cool. I like that. Um, a, a sculpture can be the same way. You know, it, it can, it's, it's, people forget about the subtleties of uh, hand gestures, facial expressions, you know, body language. It doesn't have to be Captain America running full speed, jumping over some shit, throwing the shield, the bullets ricocheting everywhere. It doesn't really have to be that. Um, you know, if you think of what all these characters stood for and what the message behind each one of them was, it should emulate that. It should, it should exude that. It should be, you know, for Cap, um, integrity, honor, pride, loyalty. You know, figure out a way to represent him that way. And most collectors are going to respond to that more than him kicking the shit out of the Red Skull. It's like, we don't need it. It's, it's kind of unnecessary. I was always a fan of museum poses, probably over the action poses. I like some of the action poses, but it's I like the museum style stuff that Bowen would do. Most people say they're boring. Like, oh, museum poses kind of boring, and I'm like, no, not really. I mean, for something that's meant to go on a shelf and you know represent the character that I that I loved as a kid, museum poses exactly what I want. I don't really want the. I think we all agree on something. (laughs) I agree. All right, Ed. Thanks for joining us. Uh, any last parting thoughts? Thanks. This has been great. I think there's been a lot of really cool things shared in here. Um, um I think else? the last thing I'd like to say is not that I'm a, I'm not a veteran, uh, but I'm not a new guy either. If there's any, any newer guys in the hobby who feel like the, the old guys don't want to share secrets and tips and they don't want to like pass down any of the knowledge or whatever, please feel free to contact me. I'll answer any of your questions the best that I can. Um, and I'm, I'm always willing to help and I, you know, I just want everybody else to have fun. Uh, I want to see the hobby continue in whatever form it, it, it turns into because it is evolving. Oh, yeah. It's not, it's not dying, it's changing. And uh, I want to say go easy on Ed, too, because I think Ed binge watched like 20 episodes of this at one yeah, point. Uh, <laughs> you know, so we might have brain damaged Ed. Yeah, we did. I'm sure. <laughs> There's not, you know, when you're into this, if you're really into this hobby and you're looking for this kind of content, there's very few places to get it. So. When I found this, I was like, oh, I know what these guys are talking about. I can, I can relate to this. I, yeah. I want to hear about this. Um, yeah, man, it's, it's been really cool. So Thanks for joining us. We really Thanks. do appreciate it, Ed. Ed Bradley, everybody. Have a All great right, day. Thanks, Ed. All right, that was Ed Bradley. Some really cool stuff going on with Ed. Uh, future looks bright. Yep, he's living a dream. Decided he wanted to he try to do something, and, and he's doing it. That is, I think that's, I, you know... He's not working for the man. No, he's not. I have nine more years. And I think I always said, oh, I'm going to do that when I retire is, is paint and maybe do casting or printing or something. Yeah. I said a lot too, but they're, they're not going to hire me back. That's for sure. <laughs> so I'm stuck finding another job after I retire. Um, but yeah, that's where we are. Uh, You'll be we, one of them wine painting fucking things where the oh, girls. I hate those. Oh, I hate those. And they're like, oh, look, I made art. No, you didn't. Shut up. <laughs> you made paint by number. Well, they anyway, didn't have enough wine that they think they made art. So that's, that's okay. And then, they all, and then Jamie, I think, even has one on her wall. It's like, oh, my God. Right. Anyway, I've now offended every wine drinking woman in the audience. Yeah. <laughs> who's who's going to be more upset? The women wine drinking artists at the 
paint in uh, Bottega, whatever they're called, or the dog lovers I offended. Let's see. Um, emails and corrections. Oh, let me do that again. You're not coughing. Emails and corrections. Okay, go ahead. He's the worst. Emails and corrections. It is a very slow week in the land of emails and corrections. We have no corrections because we're awesome. And two, we only have one email, and it's from Phil Kupka. And we have no voicemail, which bothers me. I thought the voicemail thing worked. (laughs) Do you see what happens when I'm not on I know. Fucking giving Scott a big okay. head. So here's the number 708 816 4299. Please leave us voicemail. It works so much better than reading emails. I would much rather play the voicemail than listen to me mumble. And I'll admit it. I mumble. Yeah. Yeah. And Peter Jackson, come on. Come on. <laughs> Peter what Jackson, was- leave us a voicemail. Great. That would be amazing. Oh, dude, if that happened, Peter. I love you, Peter. Please. So our snooze fest. I'm <laughs> no, sorry. I, I don't dislike <laughs> you as a person. <laughs> anyway, email. <laughs> if you would like to still email, it's modelclubtv at gmail.com. But please, please make an effort. Uh, leave us a voicemail. I will not answer the phone. It's just you straight to recording. So uh, please email or voicemail. Is there a message on that? Yeah, there is. Okay, can they understand what you're saying? I hate you. Anyway. I mean, are you going like... (laughs) You know. You got any more dogs? Got any more dogs? Wow. (laughs) Wow, here he goes. Uh Uh-huh. Good job running solo on episode 31, short and sweet. Phil, Phil, no, it wasn't. It was horrible. Phil, I still ain't got through the whole thing. (laughs) And it's only an hour long. I don't have much of an email for you this time, but I do have something I am sending you from my phone in Messenger. I mentioned to Scott a while back about uh, the fact that the Northwest Modelers Association has been patiently waiting for COVID to give us a break so that we can get together for another swamp meet, hopefully sometime in October. I asked Scott if you guys, Model Club TV, would like to have me do some kind of Zoom or FaceTime or whatever during your gathering, which will be at one of the guys' house that has one hell of a large collection of figure kits. Scott sounded really enthused about the idea, and when it came closer to the time, we'd figure out what we could do to make it happen. Well, it's getting closer. We haven't set a date because our host is just finishing putting a huge addition on his house, but we are hoping it will be sometime, some Saturday in October. I thought I would run this idea past the chief cook and the bottle washer, that's me, <laughs> and see what you think. Uh, That would be great. That would be really cool. We could record it and uh, and throw it up here and do that. What are you doing? Nothing. In the meantime, I don't know if this works for you, and, and, and it does. So Phil sent a bunch of videos from uh, Rod Hickey's collection, Phil Kupka's, Phil's collection, and Terry Smith's collection. And what I think I'm going to do is make a separate video out of those and stick them up on our page, and then we can still do the uh, Swap Beat uh, Connect when you guys are there. If Watch, it'll be on a time when I'm out of town. It probably will be. Because the rest of October is pretty screwed. I don't know. We'll figure it out. I can record it. Yeah, you can record it. Let's see you do something. That'd be awesome. 
yeah, put me on my own and see. <laughs> we'll, we'll, yeah, let's see what happens. All right, everybody. We have our giveaway. It is the Girl Kit Extravaganza, the Poison Ivy, the Mommy from Hang Hilger, uh, and the uh, Sandy from Greece from Mark Worthling and Pestilence Labs. Uh, leave a comment down below. Tell me which one you want or all three, and you have to tell us your favorite Girl Kit of all time. Did we solve the world's problems today, Scott? Yes. Yeah, I think so. All right, everybody. Yeah, we can. Hey, and we were light on 3D printing this time. We were. We were. So sort of. Sort of, kinda. Yeah. Well, I'll be light now for a while because yeah. the machine is down. All right, everybody. Have a great yeah. couple of weeks. Got the shakes. Oh, got the shakes. Oh no. I got the DTs. <laughs> I do. I feel like my printer's down it, there doing nothing. It, when I was like, down for those 20 days, I was like, oh man, I feel like I should be doing something. And now I'm worried all my cleaner's gonna like all the resin's gonna settle. So I need to go down there and like yeah. pour that all out and distill it and get it clear again. And uh... Yeah. All right, everybody. Have a great couple of weeks. We'll see you next time. For Halloween. It'll be their Halloween episode. Oh yeah. And my birthday. Which we have a giveaway for Halloween or what are we doing? I don't know. Okay. I don't think so. You don't think so? Then we don't. All right. Take care, everybody. We'll see you. Bye.